Everybody, welcome back to the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. I am your host, Michael Brandvold, and today I am joined by Jason Didner. How you doing, Jason? Doing great. And you, Michael? Real good. So um let's let's give a little intro. You're you're not you're not somebody from a, a startup, a website company. You're a musician. That's right. Um so give us give me a little background. Or give give the viewers of the Music Biz Weekly a little background, what kind of music you play, how long you've been doing it, so they just, you know, so they can get the feel for your your career here. Okay, well, uh, this is my uh, third or fourth life as a musician, and <laughs> <laughs> they've uh, been uh, my career has been uh, dotted with uh, runs at a music career, followed by a lot of corporate America, and. Uh, uh, my becoming a dad and bonding with my daughter and wife over music really just fueled a massive inspiration starting a little over two years ago. And uh, the groundwork began for us to start a children's and family rock and roll band. Uh, this whole movement is known as Kindy for short. Okay. And... Um, we kind of discovered there's a whole community of this um, starting about two years ago. And around that time, I was also um, starting to listen to podcasts, starting with CD Baby um, DIY Musician Podcast. Right. That led me to um, a guest interview episode with Brian Thompson, which blew my mind completely by one thing that he said. I'll tell you more about that okay. as we go. And of course, hearing Brian as a guest um, led me to his podcast, which led me to you. Cool, cool. So, you know, you and I, very unlike Music Biz Weekly podcasts, which usually have no show prep, you and I did a little bit of show prep for this one. Um, you know, I, I asked you kind of what, what you wanted to presented some ideas to talk about and and the one that i thought really hit home because you know what we do a lot on this show is talk about how to do this how to do that don't do this don't do that how to use this tool um but you gave an idea that sort of was like okay have you actually done any of this stuff and and how did you use this how did you use what you've learned from the shows, uh, you know, in your career? So let me just read read for everybody here kind of the, the, the premise. Sure. Um, it was one of many. It was one of many, but I, I again, mm -hmm. I really like this one because I felt like this one could touch a lot of our viewers and listeners. Um, it's a two-year look back on a music brand shaped by Music Biz Weekly and other podcasts. What worked well? What advice was put into play the most? What pitfalls could I have saved myself? What advice did I apply over time to go from playing free gigs to just get in front of audiences to where I'm regularly receiving phone calls and emails to book me for good paying gigs? And then I, I won't spoil it because it will probably bring this up during the discussion, but then you've got a true story as well, which was a, it's a great true story, which I think is something that um, a, a lot of our viewers and listeners at least will appreciate. Hopefully there's not a lot of them that can relate firsthand to it, but they'll at least appreciate your, your telling the story. So yeah, you know what, this just felt like, this is cool here. You're going to sit back as the, 
the listener of the show, of the Music Biz Weekly, and now you're going to sit down and talk to me about how you've used the Music Biz Weekly. What has it done for your career? How, how has it shaped your brand, as you said? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, over the course of these uh, last two years, I think um, almost every drive to and from my uh, steady job, my day job, um, has been uh, accompanied by uh, one podcast or another, and usually it's been uh, binge listening to Music Biz Weekly. <laughs> I appreciate that. Because uh, I probably uh, came upon it uh, a few years into your having uh, started that up. Yeah, we're, I, I think it's, I just came across, uh, I, I was cleaning up and, and relaunching my, my personal SoundCloud channel because Brian used to host the show on SoundCloud on his channel. We had it placed all over the place. And I was like, you know what, I need to revamp my SoundCloud. And I went in there and I hadn't used it for years. And I found episode one still up on my SoundCloud channel. Yeah. And it was literally um, like March 28th of 2011. So it was like four years ago that episode one of the Music Biz Weekly went live. And I was just like, that's that's pretty cool. But for anybody listening, you can now, moving forward, I'm not going to backfill all the old episodes because it's approaching 200 now. Um, you'll be able to find it, Music Biz Weekly, continuing on SoundCloud. Just go to go to my channel on um, SoundCloud. Continue. Okay, sure. Um, I'm getting some latency on your end. Hopefully, uh, you're not getting too much uh, back from me. No, no, it seems fine on my end. But uh, I'll start. Okay. Um, I'll start with some of the low-hanging fruit here of uh, something that you shared about um, when you have a batch of good photos from an event, uh, which was uh, why just post them all up and then have nothing to share the next day. Uh, that was one of the easiest things for me to implement and use the, the Facebook timer, for instance, and uh, in that way be able to share a fun and interesting picture, maybe one in the morning, one in the afternoon, one the next morning, etc. And that definitely seemed to have improved my uh, engagement with, uh, and in my line of work, uh, making kids music, um, the relationship, of course, is with the parents who then are the buyers and the decision makers of what are we doing this weekend with the kids, and then hopefully the kids like it too. But it's not the kids stumbling upon me and deciding to do this. Right, right, right. So um, what I have to do has to resonate, and all the social media has to resonate with the parents because by the time a kid's old enough to use Facebook, they're probably not in my market. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they're, they're probably looking for Taylor Swift or something. Right, exactly, exactly. So you, you do have a challenge with with your, your style of music and that the – the, the people you're entertaining aren't exactly the buyers of your music. The, well, they, they sort of are and they sort of aren't because, um, of course, um, the priority is to, to give the kids something of value, but it's got to be entertaining for the parents, too. Mm -hmm. um, it's like a Pixar movie in that sense. There's right, got to right. be those pop culture references. There's got to be 
you know, authentic, heartfelt rock and roll that the parents remember rocking out to before they had to get a babysitter to go and go to a right, show. Right. So, so before you discovered the the little tip about posting the photos, was it was it something where you would do that? You would just post them all at once, or did you just have a lot of work on your plate because it was like, oh, I got to remember to get up and post another photo today and another one. You know what? What was your workflow before you did this? Um, I may have been trial and error. I may have uh, sometimes said, okay, well, let's just you know put up an album with all the pictures. I had certainly done that of vacation pictures. Um, uh, I had gotten somewhat familiar with the timer, um, you know, to to schedule out your posts. Your Facebook posts. Yeah, the Facebook posts. Um, so I think as soon as you mentioned the idea of, well, why release all your pictures in one shot and have nothing to talk about two, three days later, and I combined that with my knowledge of using the scheduler to kind of uh, take care of it while I was thinking about it. Okay, good, good. You know, and, 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 that, and that's cool because I love hearing that because it's those little tips that I think can make a big impact for artists out there because those are just the little things that everybody is probably dealing with the same problem you went through i think so there's certainly uh, a learning curve and uh, um, when you have a community like uh, one made up of uh, you and billy grizak and bob baker and uh, all these uh, music uh, industry uh, connoisseurs uh, who really you know understand best practices and are so willing to share them? Right. Um, I think that's something that um, if you're not using your drive time to listen to some of these podcasts, uh, you may be wasting a you know golden opportunity to really uh, um, pick up a lot of very valuable and usable knowledge. Yeah, you know, one of the driving factors of of doing this show has always been. I get that artists like you have quite often day jobs and then you're a musician at night or you're a musician on the weekend and you've got families and everything else. So you don't have the luxury of just being a musician 24 seven. You don't have mm -hmm. all of the time in the world to test things out and play with it. You've got two hours this week to do all of your promotion and you got to get as much as you can out of those two hours that you can allocate and I think that's what's always driven this is, all right, well, if you're going to do it, here's what you're going to do. Spread your photos out all at once here. Use the scheduler, time it out, and then yep. it's going to look like you're busy all week long when the reality is you did it all within 20 minutes. And you let, the, you let Facebook or the computer do all the work for you. Because at the end of the day, I'm a big believer that that computers shouldn't make more work. They should help you with the work you're doing. So if if you're doing something and the computer's making it harder for you and takes more time, then you're doing something wrong. Yeah. You know, you need to look at what you're doing because if using the computer now takes you twice as long as what it used to be, that's not the way it should be. So you know, those are the tips and tricks I like to talk about here is, is how to get the most out of your time. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a, definitely a lot of ways to do that. And um, one thing that I think of as being very uh, Brandvoldian, if you will. <laughs> I've never heard that term before, but that's cool. 
is uh, really, you know, that the attention to detail and the preparation for things, because um, when you're prepared and organized as possible, you're not going to waste as much time, you know, looking for the things that you need or not knowing what a, a booker at a venue uh, needs from you. Or uh, when you go to the show, you're perhaps not knowing what the, the sound tech is going to need from you. Yeah, yeah. That you, stuff eats up a lot of time. Oh, it eats up so much of your time. I mean, just when it comes to the social media part of it, you know, if you wake up every day and have no idea what you're going to post you're going to waste time trying to think about what to do today when, you know, take some time out on, I don't know, just pick one day of the week and go, you know, I, I'm going to use this day to schedule out and plan out everything for the next week, two weeks, next month, if that's what you have to do. And then all you're doing is waking up every day going, all right, I know exactly what I'm doing this morning. It takes me 30 seconds to make that post as opposed to, 20 minutes if you didn't have it planned out sure yeah and you know kind of being ready to capture lightning in the bottle when these things occur to you is, is important yep getting the most out of what what time you can commit to this because again i know you guys none of us can sit down and just post on facebook 24 7 we've got other commitments in life so you got to get the most out of the time that you're going to spend on it yeah so continue, continue, so. continue with the 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 look back at uh, the a, at at a music brand that was shaped by all these podcasts. Okay, sure. Um, one of the really key things that I think ultimately led me uh, to check out Brian and then check you out in more detail was something Brian said on the DIY uh, musician podcast on CD Baby when he was a guest. Which was, um, and this was around the time I was uh, really preparing uh, new songs in the studio for our first album. And he said it's important for a musician to stop selling, to stop always uh, come to people with a position of, you know, buy my album, buy my single, you know, buy tickets to my show and have that be all that you know, what you are and what you come across to people. And that kind of blew my mind to hear a music marketing person say to stop selling. And I knew what he meant when he said it. And it made me think, boy, I really got to come up with, if I'm not going to be always talking or maybe only 20% of the time talking about, what I have for sale, then I really need to uh, sort of come up with other ways to more fully tell the story that people might find interesting. Yeah. And and then there's what do you email people about when you're not emailing them to buy stuff or come to a show? Right, 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 right. You know, it's and it's funny you brought that up. You know, that's something that we've we've preached from day one on the Music Biz Weekly. I firmly believe in it, and I actually just had a. A, call, a, a consultation with with a, an artist um, earlier today, and that was you know one of his questions about what do I post, what you know what what should I be doing, and and it was you know I'm sure what Brian said it's there's this eighty twenty rule, eighty mm. percent of what you post should not be selling, it shouldn't be about your product, twenty percent can be, and you know you hear that and you go okay that that makes sense. 
But then when you look at that in relation to how much you post, and if you're going, well, let's see, I'm only posting one thing a day. So how do I make 80% of one thing a day about not about the product? And You know, all of a sudden you're like, I don't, I'm not posting enough. I'm not giving myself enough mm -hmm. opportunity to actually sell in context with everything else that's not about selling, which then I think make it pa helps paint that picture of why you need content, why you need photos to be posting, you know? Right, I mean, and, and, and why not to blow all your photos from the gig in one post? E exactly. You know, all of a sudden now if you've got 20 photos that you can post over the next week, well, now that means you've got 80%, you know, 20% of that can be devoted to selling. And now you've got all this other stuff that's all about you and your personality and what you enjoy and having fun time and all that. So that is so important. You know, you mm. can't sell, sell, sell. People don't want to be sold to 100% of the time. Sure, yeah. And um, that was... A year, almost two years ago, that I had heard Brian say that. That was about two years ago I had heard him say that. And ultimately, I engaged him as a consultant for a session. And then, of course, uh, last summer, Michael, I engaged you as a consultant. Um, and we did a one on one right. music consulting session. Right, right. Um, so, it, you know, it, it's. Again, for me, it's um, it's good to hear somebody on the other side. You know, I'm the marketer. I'm not the musician. But I do understand and I do all of this stuff on, uh, on social media and posting. But, you know, I've got, like I said, close to 200 episodes here. And it's, yeah. and it's, and it's, and it's nice to hear from the musician saying, you know, I heard that and that tip is right. That eighty twenty concept is it hit me and it it, it opened things up because you know I want other viewers to to hear it coming from you because I think it has a different weight when it comes from a musician saying you know what that advice is right that advice does work because you're living and breathing the same experience some other viewer listener of the show is right now. You're both musicians. You're both got day jobs, families, kids, everything else, and you're sitting here saying, "You know what? This works." Mm -hmm. And um, uh, speaking about your role as a music fan who's working in it, uh, as opposed to being a musician, um, your story that you told about uh, being on a panel um, to to help adjudicate bands uh, where you told yeah you, know, you were talking about uh, the eye contact issues that a gu oh, yeah, guitarist was, was having. Oh yeah, I was on a um, showcase. A band yeah. were, bands were doing some private showcases, and it was uh, some managers, some booking agents, some A and R people, and and myself who were watching one song from each band, um, and then critiquing them. And it, it was the first time I'd ever done that. Um, you know, I've, I've heard about it many times, but I've never done partaken in one before. And I watched the first band and I was like the third person in line to give my critique. And it all of a sudden dawned on me as I'm listening to the first two people who were A&R reps, 
critiquing the songwriting, critiquing the chorus, the bridge, you know, all of that type of stuff. And I'm like, I literally had like a holy crap moment. I'm not a musician. I've never written a song. I can't tell them a good way, a bad way, a right way, or a wrong way for any of that. I don't. I, I, you know, I can't. So what am I going to tell them? And, and it quickly dawned on me, and this is what I said was, you know, it's their job as the A&R guys to make sure what you, you create is the best song possible. That's, that's their job, to write the best song, record the best song. But my job is to take that finished best song and help you get it out there and connect with the fans. Yeah. So whether I, what I think about that bridge or chorus doesn't matter because what you're coming to me is already finished. You're not bringing me in up front and having me critique songs. So I'm going to tell you what I saw on stage. I saw you playing your guitar solo and just head down, looking at your fingers moving, never making eye contact. I saw you turn around and give your solo to your amp for 45 seconds. Um, I saw you on stage going back and forth for an entire song and never once looking at me directly. You looked over me, around me, to the side of me, but you never connected with me you know or, or, or there were a couple of them that were really bad where I was like you forgot the words to your song you stopped you apologized and then you started all over again mm-hmm. and it was just like you know and and my critique was don't do that because now you just brought all the attention on the fact that you forgot the words to your song and you apologized to me for that just continue. I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen professional bands every once in a while forget the lyrics and they just kind of blah, 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 until or, or they stop singing, but the music, they keep playing the song, the, the music, and then they pick it up at the chorus. Yeah. And you kind of go, yeah. oh, that doesn't that wasn't quite right, but it doesn't matter because the train kept rolling and you're already back into the performance again. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was things like that where I'm like, okay, as a marketing person, that's what I can talk to you about. Sure. Um, you, you've seen so many shows, great performances, legendary performances, poor performances, and everything in between. And you know what works for you as a fan. And if it works for you, how many thousands of other fans does yep. it work for? Yep. It, it, it's all about the fans want that connection. They want a connection with the artist. And, you know, there's ways that you do the connection in social media by liking posts and retweeting them. But when you're in a concert situation, that connection is making the fan and the audience feel like you're looking right at them. Even though you're on stage and there might be 500 people, 5,000 people, 50 people, you've got to have the look that it looks like everybody in the audience feels like, you're staring straight into my eyes and you're looking at me because that, then all of a sudden you're like, he's, he's, he's performing for me. Sure. And, uh, in in my game, when you do that for the kids, it's really a moment of, of amazing amazement when you get that right. And, and, And yeah. So talk to me about that. So do the, do the kids also get that connection moment where all of a sudden they realize you are looking at them, you are singing to them. Do they, do they, 
capture that? Do they do they get that? All the way up and down the in the age range, I would say that they do. Yeah, the the babies get that. The uh, uh, kindergartners and you know grade schoolers get that. Uh, absolutely, you know those those moments to connect are you know something that it, it's wordless. It's basically it's just this nonverbal that that gets through to them no matter where they are at in their development. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure at, at at a lot of their ages, you know, the only feedback you get is probably a big smile or a giggle or the eyes light up or something like that. Sure. But yeah, so if that's what happens when you as a performer sing to a baby or a toddler, you know, obviously it's important to do that when you're singing to an audience filled with kids, teenagers, and adults. It's the same thing. You want that connection. Sure. And and the parents in the room want to have that moment of connection too. Yeah. Um, uh, they're singing along with the chorus. I want to look right at them, acknowledge them, nod my head, smile a little bit, you know? Right, right, right. That's cool. Again, it's, 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 it's great for me to hear from a musician that those types of things are real and are very important. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, certainly hearing you say them throughout your, your episodes of uh, the Music Biz Weekly uh, certainly were affirmation for me to make sure that even if I think I'm doing okay at that, you know, check in with myself, make sure that I'm, that I'm really um, getting that eye contact in with everybody that I can. And um, I don't believe you've had Tom Jackson on as a guest, have you? No, uh, I haven't. I should. I, so many people have talked about him. Yeah, um, he he spends a lot of time about specific ways that artists can make sure that they're making eye contact with um, as many people as they can. Um, he's got something called zone communication, which works great in, uh, or I could understand where it would work great, like in a large theater or arena setting. Right. Um, where if you can't make eye contact directly with uh, that guy in the you know green t-shirt in the uh, you know, 200 throw of the balcony, you know, you can at least make good eye contact with that zone. That, sec that section of the arena. And, and again, just by doing that, everybody in that section basically is feeling like you're looking right at them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're in the front row, you're going to know if somebody's looking at you or the person next to you. It's close yeah. enough. You're going to know. But when you're halfway back, at the back of a club, back of a theater, up in a balcony, all you're getting is the general staring up at my section. And that, that, that works. That yeah. works. You know, you can't, it, it is very obvious when artists just sort of stare out into nothing. You know, mm -hmm. their, their head might be pointing forward, but you can just tell that the, their, their gaze is, sort of above everybody. They're gazing mm. above the heads. And and you can, as an audience member, as a fan, you can feel that. You can feel yeah. that they're not connecting with me, but they're, they're playing to me, but they're not connecting to me. Mm. Yeah. And uh, I'd say early on in my uh, run at this, you know, I've had someone uh, um, who's a, a very strong... Um, performer like very strong stage presence in kids music mm -hmm. um kind of critique that i could do a better job of you know establishing that connection that rapport that goes beyond playing the songs and uh 
so I actually worked with him one on one, and uh, we. In fact, you know him. He's a huge Kiss fan himself. Ron Albanese. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask you. You know, he's he's got a kids band as well. Polka Dot. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's a big student of uh, you know, what Kiss does, what Cheap Trick does, and he yep. applies that to kids' music. Yep. And so by working one-on-one with him and kind of coming up with, uh, you, you know, some ways of, you know, kind of ways into connecting with the audience. Right, right, right. So um, let, let me ask you, one of the things you mentioned in the topic idea was what pitfalls could I have saved myself? Uh, yes, and there's one very specific... So, 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 yeah, give me, let's start off. That's probably the true story here. So yeah. Give me, give me that pitfall story because I, okay. I, I think, I think, I think lessons of failures are as mm-hmm. important as lessons of success. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So here, yeah, this is my war story and, uh, <laughs> I give a shout out to Lauren Wiseman here yep. too. Um, so, um, in the game of children's music, a lot of it is focused on things like uh, publicity and awards and uh, some of the best children's musicians, the the most famous ones. I mean, they're up for Grammys and uh, they uh, get placed in People magazine and, uh, you know, some very high publicity opportunities. And so uh, many of the uh, kindy artists um, hire publicists when they put out an album. Well, let, 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 let's be honest here. I mean, what yeah. you just described fits pretty much every artist of every genre. I mean, I can't tell you how many artists approach me and they think right away they need a publicist. Right away. Oh, or, yeah, or yeah. For anything they do, they need a publicist. Um, so, you know, as much as you're describing it because that's the style, the genre you're in, it definitely applies to every single genre I've ever worked with artists in. Sure. And, uh, yeah, I, I might not have been aware of, you know, how pervasive that is beyond my, uh, my niche, but all I know is that in my niche, every artist I was looking at, every press page or contact page I went to had a PR contact on it. Mm -hmm. And as a matter of fact, um, I was working on the other side of the industry a little bit too, which is um, I actually ran a a cable access TV show where I showed children's music videos. So as soon as I set that up, I was starting to hear from artist publicists. And I'm like, it seems like like every kindy artist I've ever heard of has a publicist. So the peer pressure was unbelievable, at least in my mind. Sure, sure. So um, I, I... basically talked with my wife about as we were preparing and planning to release our album we gave ourselves the three-month window uh we hired a publicist you know after seeing you know getting sticker shock over what three months of publicity was going to cost exactly um amy and i stayed up uh, very late that night you know talking it over um kind of both of us playing the pros and con devil's advocate i knew that the self-released album i had put put out 10 years earlier, which was not for kids. Um, I knew I didn't use a publicist for that and that we sold maybe a few dozen copies. And I thought, okay, well, I know what happens when you don't use a publicist. Um, I know that seemingly every artist of note in my uh, movement has a publicist. I put those ideas together and I said, okay, we need to 
use a publicist if we want to make any traction with this album. Mm-hmm. We were not touring. We were not traveling. There were some local gigs. And we hired a, a good publicist, someone we felt good about, um, uh, had you know a solid proposal, good publicity methods. Um, spent the money. It was you know five figures, and um, got a handful of interviews in a few blogs. Um, the fact is because of the relationships I was building up with bloggers on my own, I ended up getting more of those things to happen after the period with the publicist was over. Right. Um, uh, a number of the bloggers that I know prefer to deal with the artist directly and not a publicist. Right. Um, so it was, uh, shall I say, just maybe it was not the right thing for us at our point in in our career. Right. And it was maybe a month later that you had an episode of the music biz weekly (laughs) where you talked about if you're going to spend big money on a publicist, you know, make sure you have a plan in place for, you know, why you're doing it, what you're going to get out of it. And, you know, it's really for things like, you know, artists that are touring and need the publicity in the towns that they're going to, playing right right you know it's i get this question a lot and i'm not a publicist but you know artists were always asking me um can you help me get a publicist will you do publicity for me and 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 my first question is always what's your story Mm -hmm. what is the story you want a publicist to push well we just released our new album or we're going to release our new album you know 90 percent of the time that's the story and and I and I'm immediately replying back. That's not a story. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares that you're releasing a new album. You know, unless you're Rolling Stones or U2 or somebody along those lines. No, nobody cares that you're doing an album. Um, and and don't take that personally, because it's not to say that your album isn't good. It's just nobody cares. So now you've got to sit here and go, what's the real story? What 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 will somebody actually be interested enough in talking to me about that will give me the opportunity in that interview to plug my new album? Right, and there's a there's a children's music version of that common pitch too that that pitch that's too common, and many of us uh, kindy artists when we're rookies we think that our unique story, our human interest story, is that. Um, you know, we're, I'm a musician, I became a parent, my bond with my child got me into playing children's music, and maybe on our block that's unique, maybe among all our musician friends in our town that's unique, but on the kindy circuit nationwide, that's far from unique. That's like right. every kindy artist story. Right, right. It, it is. So, you know, that's where you really need to think about what is the the real hook what is the headline of your story why is somebody going to really want to talk to you versus talk to the potentially hundreds of other people who are also pitching them Mm -hmm. stories because you got to remember that's what you're up against you know there's not just one publicist out there there's hundreds and hundreds of publicists and they're all pitching artists and there's only so much space for blog reviews and press reviews and interviews. Why you 
and not somebody else. And, yeah. and you know, and it, and it always comes down to the story, you know, and it's got to be really different, unique, heartfelt, emotional, you know, just something where you as yourself stepping out of your role as being the musician would go, I want to know that story. Yeah. If, if you're not, if you are not interested in your own story, nobody else is going to be. You of course, know, yeah. If, if you've got to rack your brain to come up with what your story is, it's not that good. Mm. Um, and, you know, and, and I think some people feel like, well, the, the publicist will come up with my story. Mm, not really. They're not going to read your minds. They're going to sit, you know, the good publicist will sit down with you and, you know, either over the phone or face to face will talk to you for hours to get to mm. know who you are and where you're coming from. And they'll take all that notes and they're going to try and come up with something. But you still got to give it to them yeah. in order for them to come up with the pitch. And they're not just going to, you know, this, this is not, let's make up a completely fake story that's going to get you into the press. That That's not what they're going to do. They're sure. taking what you are providing. So you need to really think about that story and 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 if at the end of the day all you've got to pitch is a new album it's not worth spending thousands of dollars to get a publicist i mean the the reality is you can go out there and spend you know a hundred bucks and buy a media list on your mm -hmm. own and you can you can do what you know publicists are going to call it a spray and pray mm. you know yep. they're going to you know, they're going to take your press release with a link to your SoundCloud or an MP3 download, and they're just going to email it to everybody. We're spraying yep. it out to everybody, and we're praying that somebody's going to open that email up and reply back. Because you're not going to follow up with everybody. You don't know them. They're never going to take your phone call. So you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're counting on the fact that your media list has 7,000 email addresses in it. And you're hoping that, you know, 70 of them actually open it up, found enough interest to email you back and say, hey, I'd like to post this or I'd like to ask you a couple questions. It's praying. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can do that. Like you said, you can buy media lists for 99 bucks and, and, mm. and do it yourself because, frankly, that's probably the, as good a results as a major publicist is going to get you with this exact same story. Yeah. Um, I would say one, one really positive effect we had out of working with the, uh, um, publicist, not five figures worth of a positive effect, <laughs> but we, we sold out our, uh, record release party, pr uh, probably on the strength of the publicist, you know, getting us into, so many calendars and well you know and, and, and that's a different approach to publicity as well and and it's worth considering so maybe you're not hiring the publicist to promote your full album release campaign hire the publicist to promote your release party mm. you know and and you what you do there is you're going to get a publicist that's strong in whatever area you live in. You live in San Francisco, you find a publicist who's in San Francisco, who knows San Francisco, and sit down and say, listen, we're doing an album release party. Um, we want you to get the word out to, literally, like you said, all the calendars in town, all of the event pages in town, 
all of the people you know, get our name out there that we're doing a show. Because mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to get placement of a show in a calendar than it's going to be to get somebody to mention a new album and give you a paragraph about your album. Um, I've seen artists that have had had decent success when the publicist has really focused all their efforts and energies on promoting that one event. Yeah, that makes sense. It's not going to cost you as much. Of course, um, yeah. But it can also be a stepping stone. Mm. Because, you know that builds up a little bit of press and attention around you that now maybe in a month or two, you can take all of that and steamroll it a little bit more into some more press or you move to another town for another show and you do another press campaign around it. Now they can see that you had successful efforts, you know, a month ago here. Um, Maybe it creates a contact for you. The entertainment writer of the newspaper um, now becomes a contact for you that you can reach out to them every time you do a show now. You don't yeah. have to do it with a publicist. Now you know who it is. He knows who you are, and you've got a contact. So, you know, think about things in those sense. You don't necessarily need a, a full three-month publicity campaign. Maybe you need just a campaign for 30 days around your upcoming album release show. Yeah, yeah, that uh, that seems to or, be very... Or, or a special event, whatever the special event might be. Yeah, Um and that that gives me the thought of uh, doing something like that for our first uh, trip to D.C. to perform, which is happening next month, Washington D.C. area. Yeah, go find go find a publicist in D.C. Yeah, um, you know, ideally one that understands your music, mm-hmm. and just say, listen, what you know, go through the whole spiel. What's it going to take to get you to come in and and help me promote the show? Yeah, You know, I want you to invite people. I want to get into the entertainment columns, the calendar listings. I, I, I need to see my show date listed everywhere possible in the D.C. metro area. Right. And, the, and then comes the question, you know, what can you make your budget? You know, when you look at the ticket sales and your cut of the door, um, even if you sell the place out, minus the hotel stay. Yep. Uh, minus paying the you know, the supporting musicians, do you have enough left um, to pay the publicist, and or are you comfortable taking the loss to are you, are you fill com- the room? Yeah, are you comfortable making it an investment? Yeah, I always yeah. like instead of looking at it as taking a loss, it's you're making an investment. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're investing in something, and you know, uh, just always keep in mind though with publicists, there's no guarantees. Mm-hmm. And and I would be very cautious of any publicist who guarantees you anything. Yeah, that be- that's very true. Because it's very you know you just you can't guarantee. Mm-hmm. They have the co- the contact. Yes, you know you know you want to make sure the publicist has the the Rolodex, so to yes. speak. Yes. Because um, that's what you're basically buying with a publicist is their mm-hmm. Rolodex, and their ability to have your press release opened up and looked at and them to pick up the phone and talk to somebody. Yeah. But the decision still rests with somebody on the other side of the phone or the other side of the email to decide whether that gets posted and, and, and released. And a publicist really cannot guarantee that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, they, they can't guarantee the press, uh, and they certainly can't guarantee the results of the press, like album sales. Yeah, exactly. You know, they can't they can't guarantee, oh, we're going to get you placed in 24, pl- 24 journals. We guarantee it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know... Not unless they own all those journals. Not unless they own all those journals or, you know, do some legwork and you find out that they're journals that have no real value. Yeah. You know, it's it's something that will, you know, there there's there's websites out there that literally will print every single press release they receive. Yeah. They do it from an for an SEO standpoint. Yeah. That's of no value to you. Yeah. You know, it it exactly. it it, it, it Yes, you got a press hit out of it, but it's a hit that has no ROI to you. So, you know, if someone says that, um, ask them, well, what, what, what quality are these 24 journals you're guaranteeing me? And can you tell me what they're going to be? Because um, the last thing you want to do is pay a lot of money to get placed in a bunch of crappy press release farms, you know. They're, and, and they're out there. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, that's for sure. Cool. So, so um, let's see. We've been at this for about forty-five minutes. I want to see what else we can cover here. Um, all right. So, what what advice did you apply over time that helped you go from free gigs to paid gigs? I mean, that's the big thing. Yeah. Um, well, starting with, I, I think early on, um, I uh, had heard you talk about with the mailing list, you know, be disciplined about bringing that clipboard to your shows. Um, and, uh, over the course of two years, I had done just that, you know, now I'm, uh, in that 500 to 600, uh, emails. Um, and that's with the turnover that you get with parents of small children that, you know, you get new ones coming in, you get ones who, uh, you know, move on. Right. Um, and so, uh, you know, the net is, at this point is like 560, 570 uh, email addresses just from doing it over time, um, always doing a giveaway. So, you know, put your email address down and you have a chance to win a CD or a Skype concert. Right. Um, or free passes to the sh- next show that we, you know, that, that has a ticketed admission. Right. So, um, by doing that over time, uh, it's really become something where when we do a local show, we can tell a venue uh, owner that we have this mailing list. This is how many people are in this town. This is how many people came to a show in this town. Right. And, and, and that's valuable. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, that to me, that's more important than a Facebook, like a Twitter follower, you know, having that email address is a direct connection to somebody who actually is interested in you, wants to hear from you. Yeah. And, and saw me live and saw you live because you know yeah. where you're gathering your emails, you're gathering them at your, at, at your events. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, that, that can be very powerful and, and it's, it's a slow build. You know, yeah. I, I, I've, I've dealt with clients who, get very frustrated and have given up after two shows because they gathered four emails at one show and three at the next show. And it's like seven emails. I'm that's, I can't do anything with that. No, you can't. But if you do it over two years and you play X amount of shows per year, you can end up with 500, 600 email addresses. 
now you've yeah. got something that you can work with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, only getting, you know, knowing that you know, these are all relevant addresses, not like when you buy a list. Yeah. There is, there is no shortcut to having, you know, a good, healthy email list that's going to sustain your career. There, there's, there's no shortcut to acquiring fans. Exactly. What, you know, because an email list is acquiring fans. Facebook likes are acquiring fans. Twitter followers are acquiring fans. And everybody wants to find the shortcut. How can, right. I, go, how can mm. I go from nothing to a lot in the next mm. 30 days when my show happens? You can't. You can't. I, and, mm. and, and no matter what somebody says when they send you an email or a message on Facebook saying, we'll get you the likes, we'll get you the Twitter followers, you can use, here's an email list you can rent or buy, it, it's not going to work. Trust me, it will not work. The only person who's going to win is the person who you're giving your $500 to to get access to these likes, followers, or the email addresses. Yeah, they're they're, fake likes. They're they're, they're fake likes, fake Twitter Mm. followers. They're garbage email addresses. Um, These are people that have zero, zero interest in you. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. The only way to get real fans who have interest in you is start now. This mm-hmm. is what I was telling the con- my consultation earlier today. Start now, even when you're just brand new and you've got nothing. You got to start acquiring them now. Yep. So in two years, when things are taking off and exploding, you've already built up the list. You've built up your audience. Yeah, and you know. You get signed, whatever, record label drops you, whatever. You have your fan connection that's yours. That's not the record labels. Yeah, it's it's not, you know, it's not Facebook's. You can't take yeah. your Facebook likes. Right. I mean, you can you can look at the name of the people who like you on Facebook, and you can even go to their profile if you want. Mm-hmm. But you don't have their email address. Yeah. You don't have that. Facebook doesn't give that to you. Facebook will give you the ability to advertise to them, mm-hmm. but not give you their email address. They know the value of that, and, yeah. and that's why you want the email address. Yeah, that you know, if you if you re- work at that religiously, mm-hmm. it will eventually pay off in whether it's paid gigs or selling CDs. You know, maybe your first CD you have no email list. Mm-hmm. Your second CD a year later, you've got a thousand people on your email list that you can tell you have a new CD to, yeah. and maybe fifty of them will buy it. Yeah, that you know that's about right. That's yeah, that's about the number. You know, and then you can sell mm-hmm. them T-shirts and you can sell them other stuff. Yep, because they want to know. And 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 each mm-hmm. year it gets a little bigger and a little bigger, and as it gets bigger, that means the the 50 you sold on your second album becomes 75 on your third album and and yep. so on and so on and so on and and now you can start budgeting and 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 projecting sales mm-hmm. based on I know I've got this many fans I know I have this many shows you know if you track your sales data at shows and go yeah you know I sell two CDs at every show and if I do 100 shows I should be selling 200 CDs this year, okay? And if yeah. I know I can sell 75 of them through my email list, all right, there's 275 CDs. And my last CD sold X amount through CD Baby. You got to know that stuff. Yep. And as you said more recently, if you can get some of the people who buy your CD to then review it, 
Yeah. Um, like on CD Baby or on uh, iTunes, well, the presence of those reviews will attract more sales. Yeah, exactly. Nobody wants to buy an album that nobody else likes. Yeah. You, you know, you want, it's like, oh, wow, look at all the five-star reviews. I will give it a shot. Yeah. Oh, there's no reviews? Mm. Is that worth 10 bucks? I'm not sure. You know, it's, it's, it, it helps. I know, speaking as a fan, it helps me determine whether I'm going to spend $10 at iTunes. If there's mm-hmm. a lot of reviews and, and a lot of ratings, not even a lot, just some. Yeah. Some. And that just means it could be three. And, mm-hmm. and, 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 and let's be honest, if you don't have three close friends or three family members mm. who you can't get to go leave reviews and ratings for you, you've got a problem. Yeah. You know, those first reviews and ratings to, to quote, prime the pump. Mm-hmm. It should be a no-brainer. It should be your girlfriend, your husband, your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister. They should all go leave reviews for you. It's like putting those first three dollars in your tip jar. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know. Yeah. People want to see other people have tipped. People yeah. want to see other people have left a review. Oh, you left mm-hmm. a review. I'll go in and do it. Then you start asking your fans to do it. Yeah. So yeah, it 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 all helps. It all starts helping you sell and make money it does and uh, the other factors i would say that come from the advice i've gotten from the podcasts um that that led towards my gigs going from just whatever freebies i could cobble together just to play in front of people to now you know legitimate well-paying gigs that are supporting you know a portion of our income um what that comes down to is also things like um, keeping good professional relationships with venues. You know, uh, if a venue hired me and you know gave me a decent experience, they're getting a holiday card. Yeah. Um, you know, they're getting a thank you after the show. They're getting a shout out on Facebook. A, a great Yelp review. Yeah, there is. There you go. In fact, you just talked about that with uh, Lauren Weissman about leaving reviews when you travel. Yeah. Was yeah. it Lauren? It was yeah, Lauren, it was, right? It was with Lauren. Yeah, leave a leave a review and let them know you love that place. You love the venue, you love the restaurant, mm-hmm. you love the bar, whatever it is. Not every one of them pays attention to the reviews, but you're going to come across somebody who pays attention to that review mm-hmm. and you know, is going to remember that. And, remember and if, it next time. Right. And if you're going to be critical about like let's say, you know, you were in the hotel and the drain was like really slow. You don't have to be snarky about that, like right. every other review. You can kind of be constructive and say, you know, um, for start with the positive stuff first. You know, the staff was very friendly, courteous. They made me feel right at home. Uh, I think they need to get on the, their communication with each other better when we call the front desk about a slow drain to see that they follow up on that and make sure that's taken care of while we're still staying there. Right, exactly. You know, and I'm rooting for them to, to get that down. Oh, yeah, and you could still end it with, and we'll be back next time. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, all, all of that type of stuff is going to help you um, advance, whether it's CD sales or advance your, your gigs to start earning more money at gigs or just start earning money at gigs. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's be honest, you know, when you're starting out, you're not going to make $1,000 a night your first gig. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to play a lot of free shows. 
as much as it sucks, it, you know, that's, that's where you're, that's where you're building up your audience. Yeah, and you, and you got to make the most of each and every one of those free shows because it's kind of up to you whether that's a good deal or whether you're getting screwed because of oh, yeah. things like, uh, you know, if you're just playing because they say it's good exposure and that's the end of it, well, you're just playing to play. But if you're bringing your email clipboard, um, if you're using that to, uh, you know, you're not going to build a fan base just because you're playing. You're going to build a fan base because you're also engaging the people there and planning to take them with you to your future gigs. Yep. Yeah. You know, I, th I think that, that that's a good note to end this on. It's, you know, there there's work that you have to do. Yeah. Besides just writing songs, rehearsing and playing live, you've got to also go, you've got to work the gig. Yeah. If you, if you want to get something out of it, you're only going to get out of it what you're willing to put into it. Yeah. Well said. Um, you know, Jason, this was this was cool. I you know, it it I enjoy getting this other perspective. You know, talking sure. talking to the person who's usually listening, like you said, every week listening to something. Mm -hmm. Um and and I hope other people who are listening are gonna go, Okay, you know, here's a musician who's been listening and it and it works and he's been following the advice. Because, you know, at times I sit back and wonder how many people listen but then never act on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there's, there's so much information out there between all the podcasts, all the books, all the websites, all the blogs, that uh, if you're just consuming it all the time, I mean, you could get overwhelmed and not make a move. But when you're, I think, selective about what advice you're going to put into play and you're conscious about using it. Yep, yep. Yep. It makes a difference over time. So, um, Jason, for anybody who's interested in contacting you, hiring you, uh, you know, where are you located? So we, first of all, know, will you play shows in California? Or are you only East Coast? How do they find you? I will play a show in California. If, I, there's, I a have... two, if there's a travel budget. <laughs> <laughs> if there's a travel budget, um uh, or it can be, you know, or if there's an anchor gig that, that can have satellite gigs around it, okay. I will pack up my family and bring us all out to California to perform. Um, but uh, I am in uh, the suburbs of New York City in Montclair, New Jersey. Okay. So uh, we're playing all up and down the middle Atlantic states at this point, you know, not as tours, but as weekend trips. Sure. And uh, it's, uh, it's, Something that uh, I'm happy to discuss any opportunity anyone has that may involve travel. And, uh, of course, uh, anything else, uh, custom songs, like you, you have a kid's birthday coming up. You want me to write a song for your kid and their birthday? Amy and I will do that. Um, reach out to us at junglegymjam.com. That's junglegymjam.com. Jason, this this was this was very cool. Uh, here, if if any artists have artist related questions, you oh, yeah. are you open to chatting with other artists about you know giving them a little tip here or there on how you did it? Uh, very much so. Um, in fact, I host a podcast for children's musicians, which I should have you on. It's called Make Kindy Happen. Okay, um, can we find that on iTunes? Uh, yes, it's on iTunes, it's on Spreaker, it's on Stitcher. Okay. Um, and it's at my uh, other website, jasondidner.net. Okay. 
Awesome. And, yeah, and uh, but if you're not a children's musician, if you're an adult musician, you can find me uh, uh, in the um, Billy Grizak's group, full time working musician. You know, you okay. can post questions there. I j- tend to jump on those. Yep. And uh, um, are you on Twitter? I'm on Twitter uh, at junglejimjam.com. You can certainly tweet to me. Okay. Awesome. Jason, this was great. This was great. Thank you so much for sitting down and, and, and chatting with me and what turned in from a half-hour show to an hour show, but it was a lot of good good info coming back from, from an artist this time, a working musician this time. Thanks. Yeah, time sure does fly when you're having fun. Yeah, you know, when you're just talking, it's just like it could keep going. It can keep going. But... um Thanks. You know, and everybody who's watching and listening, as always, please head over to um, iTunes, leave a review and a rating. If you like the Music Biz Weekly there, you can find us on um, SoundCloud. You can find us on Spreaker. You can find us on TuneIn, um, Stitcher, YouTube, wherever you're watching and listening. Um, hit the thumbs up button, leave a comment, follow us, whatever each of those platforms has, because it all helps. And uh, if you've got questions or comments, leave them. I'm always reading them and responding to them. And if you've got questions for either myself or Jason, leave them on YouTube or Spreaker or SoundCloud, and we'll get back to you. Yeah. So, everybody, thanks so much. Take care. Thank you.